Here's something important life lesson I've learned. Everything has a cost and the cost is usually resistance. If you can, if you can clearly understand that and just know that everything you want in life is just around the corner from that resistance and you're just, and you make yourself capable of dealing with the resistance and marching through it and the, the, and the discipline to stay with it till you get what you want, then everything's attainable, right? You can tell me all the reasons why I can't and I will figure out how I can. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your hosts, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. Your host, Nate and Brian, are hanging out with you again. And man, do we have a treat for you. KG, Ken Goodrich, is in the house. And we are going to be talking to him about the grit that it takes to grow. It's going to be a great episode with some good conversation from one of the best in the business. But before we jump into that interview, Brian and I are going to talk about the idea of grit and growth ourselves. And we're going to turn to Brian for our quote. True grit is making a decision and standing by it, doing what must be done. No moral man can have peace of mind if he leaves undone what he knows he should have done. The Duke. Oh, okay. Very very nice. I want to know that you know who the Duke is, buddy. John Wayne. Okay, just making sure. (laughs) (laughs) Took me a minute, but I got there. Yeah, you you had a face like, yeah, that guy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and let me tell you about True Grit. The years that I worked for Ken, that that is what he, if that's what you want to call it, like endurance, like um, you know, stubbornness, pigheadedness, whatever it is. It's like I, I've seen, I saw in, in that time, and I spent a lot of time with him and his GM at the time, probably more so. Well, not probably, but definitely more so than most techs did. But I was just fascinated by the back end of everything, by the the business side, um, because I grew up, you know, I just grew up in a bunch of mom and pop shops. And like, that's all I ever knew. And at that time, this thing was, was going, this, um, yes, plumbing, heating, and air was going from two mom and pop shops, which was, I believe was Green Valley Plumbing and M&S Electric, or M&S Heating and Cooling, to... Um, Yes, and he was building it into a brand, and I was just kind of seeing this all happen real time, and it was, like, fascinating to me. But I saw so many times when he got stuck, and he just, and he he does not know what it means to stop or quit or get defeated or, you know, I I haven't seen anyone with that type of tenacity since. It's It's just amazing to me. I'm pumped to talk about that grit with him. And, um, well, you know, anything he wants to talk about, but I'm hoping we can get into some, some, uh, 
story time with Uncle Ken. Ooh, I like that. That would be a good place for some like kid applause. Yay! <laughs> we don't have that button. But let's, come on, let's work on that, Nate. Come okay, on. yes, we'll, we'll add that to the sound effects board. Uh, when we are talking about grit, Brian, you're right. Tenacity, uh, determination, absolute, you know, no surrender type mentality. That's what we're talking about. Creative problem solving. Uh, the ability to see from A to B without knowing necessarily how the road is going to get you there, but absolutely sure you are going to get there. It's something that any entrepreneur, any business person uh, needs, requires, because there's going to be the hurdles. There's going to be the pitfalls. There's going to be the walls built up in front of you that you literally have to construct the ladder from your own materials to get over it. There's no other way around it. And it's such a such a thing that is lacking today. You know, in my opinion, there's just too many people who are way too easy to just like, oh, I guess I'll just not go forward with that anymore. You know, give up on the dreams mentality type thing. And uh, we just need a healthy dose of some grit in our lives. We need to we need to put that prescription back in. Yeah, buddy. It's it it becomes innovation. As that was the one thing, the one word I used to de- describe him to people was innovative. But it's like. He's not innovative for the sake of being innovative. He's innovative for the sake of he is not he he made his mind up that he's doing something and that's that. Right. If it doesn't work, he just hasn't figured out the right way. You know what it reminds me of uh I love Apollo 13, the great uh Spielberg movie about the disaster in space. And there was a time in the movie, you know, if you're not familiar with it, Apollo 13 was when they were obviously Apollo 11's when they landed on the moon and then Apollo 13 was one of the uh, subsequent there we go. Oh, look at you. Yeah, Steps in the vocabulary. Know, right? Subsequent missions after that one. Uh, but it went wrong. Something went wrong. And they were on their way to the moon, and a part blew out and, and ignited the uh, the oxygen tanks, blew the spaceship, like, wide open, and they, they had significant problems. You know, we're talking about life problems. Like, how are we going to make it back home? And on the, on the way... Uh, to the moon and then back to Earth, they started figuring out that they had actually lost an oxygen tank and they were going to start suffocating by their own carbon monoxide as they were exhaling. The more they exhaled, the worse the problem got. Carbon dioxide. Dioxide, uh, thank you. <clears throat> and uh, unfortunately, what they found out is they had these, I guess, the air scrubbers or like filters that would basically scrub the uh, CO2 out of the air. And in doing so, the filter, I can't remember if the filter was square and the insert was round or the other way around, but uh, they had this, basically they had to configure from whatever they had in the space shuttle, the ability to connect a square filter to a round hole. Hmm. And they had duct tape and socks and manuals and all this kinds of stuff that they just had on the ship because it's not like they could run to Home Depot and pick up some tarps and stuff, you know. They had to figure it out, and it's just sheer determination. In that case, sheer life determination, like you do this or you don't make it. Uh, and, and Kenny G is just one of those guys that has taken that same grit mentality and placed it into business. Yeah, he has that He has that tenacity like every decision he's made. It means the whole crew here is going to run out of oxygen. So <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like It's a joke, but like I remember him just just grinding away at get, getting these things done. And I'm like, man, if you want to build the empire he's built, that's probably a prerequisite. And it has paid him well, it's, dare it's, I say. He's doing all right. Yeah. yeah. He's doing all right. He's um, He actually wants to call this episode. Maybe I shouldn't give it away. Maybe we can use it for because he's going to come on two more times. Maybe I, we should make a two-part series out of that. But things they don't teach you in Harvard Business School. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Because like I'm that. like, uh, just shower us with things they don't, you know what I mean? We'll have to start off uh, the questions with those. 
like some things that he thinks that, you know, the school hard knocks, so to say. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, for the for the listeners, he's going to do two more episodes soon and uh, already looking forward to those. Absolutely. For those who don't know why Nate said subsequent in such dramatic fashion, because <laughs> um, I'm sure there are going to be some people who just drop in on this show because Ken Goodrich is on and they have not listened to it before and will not listen to it after. <laughs> uh, it, but I said subsequently last week, and despite his high school diploma and degree, yep. Nate had not, did not know what subsequently meant. And then we got to find out that he didn't know what gelatinous meant. Yes. Now, to be fair, it's pronounced subsequent, subsequently, not subsequently. Oh, my heavens. To be fair, it's pronounced subsequently. Subsequently. Yeah. <laughs> I say subsequently. <laughs> yeah. I don't care. It wasn't that far off. Uh, <laughs> it threw me off. Let's put it that way. I'm sure that was the reason. Still thrown off from what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, You're still, still a little dizzy. I still can't get my vocab in check. Yeah. So I want to do a quick math breakdown on the hours in a week real quick. Are you sure you want to do that, Brian? Math on the air? I did it on a calculator. Okay. This is all this is all memorized the numbers. <laughs> okay, go for it. But we have 168 hours a week. I don't I want to say this because there are a lot of people who are going to drop in for this episode and then I I don't know. I assume not pick it back up next week or whatever or maybe which that's fine. Hey, thanks for listening today. We appreciate, yeah, we appreciate it. it. Go ahead and jump on Apple or Spotify and hit us with a five-star <laughs> review. Come on. We don't charge you to listen to this thing. We don't even make you listen to a commercial. You can't jump on there and hit us with a nice five-star review. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, take care of us. <laughs> um, you get 168 hours a week, period. That's seven days at 24 hours. We're pulling 48 out, right, because of the weekend. I'm not going to ask too much of you. So you got 120 left, assuming you're going to sleep 40 hours, eight hours a day over those five days. Just sleep faster. Just sleep faster. Yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold, coat. Yep, got it. Quote. Did I say coat? I said coat. Yeah. It was on the back of Arnold Schwarzenegger's coat once. It was gelatinous to me, so it's fine. <laughs> Subsequently, we'll get back to the numbers here. So after 40 hours of sleep, you got 80 hours left. Yeah, I figured like four hours a day after work, you're just chilling with the family or whatever. Like, you know, you get home at six maybe and crash at 10. So you got four hours a day where you're not doing anything, which leaves you with 60. Assuming these days most people are working around 50 hours, not us. I work like 22 and Nate works like 100. <laughs> Look, I'm real. <laughs> it's what it is. <laughs> I delegate better. <laughs> Fair, you do. Uh, so what does that leave you with? You got 60 hours left. You work 50. You got 10 hours. 10 hours and, and I've decided that five of well, five of these hours at least during the week are before work where I'm going to spend half of that 10 extra hours uh, lifting weights not working out lifting weights like a man not running on a treadmill not jogging not doing crossfit lifting weights yeah come at me bros I'm on Facebook come and find me <laughs> you got and then you got five hours left and I was thinking like what do you what if we budgeted this this five extra hours a week and made this five extra hours a week hour? Now, it, there should be more than this for sure, but you have a minimum budgeted five hours a week where you're just getting better, right? So you got 
maybe an hour and a half a week of waste no day. And and you should be doing that twice. So there's three. Then you got an hour and a half there. We'll say an hour there. And most people are listening during work, so you get those time you get that time back. Hopefully. But you know, if not, and some people hey, maybe listening on the ride home or whatever. But what are you doing with the other four? Let's say you got four hours left. It's like let's let's take and budget those other four hours on getting better. But I think it'd be cool to write down the three things you really, the three biggest things that if you were were more knowledgeable in would help your career, whatever you want to be better at, your career, your family, and I don't know, what else is there? Community, career, family, community. All right, forget the community, your career and family. <laughs> what if you don't have a family? Then forget your family, your career. Let's get better. <laughs> well, let's make more money. Yeah, you can right. just be better at a person. It doesn't necessarily have to be at your career. Yeah, so what are you lacking? Self-development. If you looked ahead five years and you said, I'm the perfect person in my own eyes, and you said, what's different about me? And you go like, well, I'm better at communicating. I'm better at relating with my spouse, and I'm a better father. Check, 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 win. What, what three things would you need? What would you need to do to get there? If you made it five years from now and you're looking back, so you're working back from the future, what three things did you need to get better at? Selling, negotiating, communicating, right? Never split the difference, waste no day podcast, that kind of thing, just sales and communication. What about the spouse thing? I don't know. Look, we're not a marriage podcast, all right? No. Read the five love languages or something. There you go. Right. Some Gary Chapman. <laughs> love and respect. But marriage audio books, um, marriage counseling, personal counseling, uh, therapy. Every, I, I'm a big proponent of it. Everybody should be in therapy. I'm, I've been screaming that from the hilltop since Nate met me. Um, that will just make you all around better anyway. And then what was the last one? Community. Parent. Sure. You got four kids, buddy. Yes, I do. Your community is at home. Yeah, sure. Community of six. <laughs> sure it is. Uh, yeah, so parenting podcasts, parenting audiobooks, like you got to you gotta know what you're looking for, you know? They're, you're going to get into a lot of that stuff that I doesn't do, line up. I with do listen own. to a lot of family podcasts. Yeah, of- and you got to know what you're looking for. Or you can get steered in the wrong direction, you know, a direction against your own values pretty quickly, but just be careful about what you're listening to. Same thing in the sales world. Plenty of sales gurus out there who tongue-in-cheek, you know, they act like they, they just barely dance around ripping people off and say they're not about that, but clearly do. Uh, stay away from those guys. You don't need that. But for the most part, sales training, it's good stuff. Black Swan Group, big fan. Uncle Joe was on here recently. Seems like awesome training. Huge track work record of of success, you can hardly find someone in the industry that has a negative thing to say about them. So, yeah. So, set aside your hour for the Waste No Day podcast. Write us a review. Five star. If you don't like the podcast, don't write a review. Just send Nate an email. <laughs> yes, please. And let's check out Mr. Ken Goodrich spitting pearls. I'm going to take us out on a palm here, Brian. A palm? A poem. A poem. Oh, boy. Yes. A little chirp. Freestyle. No, this is this is the uh, famous Anon uh, as the author. So. Yeah, that guy. Tons Pre- of quotes. <laughs> Press on. 
Nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are important. And with that, we're going to put none other than Ken Goodrich in your passenger seat. Our guest today is none other than industry legend, Ken Goodrich. He was often by his father's side when he made calls for his air conditioning business way back in the day in Las Vegas. Today, Goodrich owns and operates two Las Vegas-based companies, Ghetto Air Conditioning and The Sunny Plumber. Ghetto Air Conditioning was established in Phoenix in 1939 by brothers Gust and Sam Ghetto. After acquiring the Arizona-based heating and ventilation and air conditioning company in 2013, which also had a second location in Tucson, Arizona, Goodrich expanded the business to Las Vegas in 2016. Ken has since then sold his business and many other businesses multiple times and has become an industry name well acquainted in the trades. With that, welcome to the show, Ken. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It's great to talk to you again, Ken, or uh, as I called you most of the time, we've known each other, boss, and it was certainly great to see you again, or I guess see half of you again at Vertical Track, because I was struck by how much weight you have lost since I saw you probably 10 years ago, 12 years ago. Yeah, I've been, I've been working on that. You know, you know, that's the one thing that, that, you know, in our trade, that, you know, for the tradesmen and the managers and the business owners, you got to hear this. Like, one, our trade is, you know, we're a 24-7 kind of business, right? We got to go when the customers need us. So, you know, a, a good, healthy routine is, is more difficult in our trade. Um, but, you know, a good, healthy routine is key to being successful. So you have this war that goes on all the time. And, you know, I am like, sometimes I just get so deep involved in the business and what I'm doing that I don't I shut off about everything else around me. And, you know, you're traveling around, you're getting the big gut bomber dinners and all the big wine and, and you know, trying yeah. to make some sense out of the traveling. And then next thing you know, you're 325 pounds, you know. It's, and it's whether it's behind, I found that to be the case for sure in a truck. And then now behind the desk, I find it to be even easier to do. But like Tom, Hop, Tom Hopkins had a saying where he's like, it's just in selling. It's pain, 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 pain all day. And then you get to the dinner table and you're like, time for a little pleasure, sugar, alcohol, you know, cholesterol, and you just kill yourself both ways. But yeah, it was great to see that you took hold of that part of your life and, and you looked you look healthier than I've ever seen you before. Yeah, thank you. And then uh, you, you too, man. You look like you're you're making sure that that uh, fitness is part of your routine. Uh, yeah, please, please, please don't oh. do that, Ken. Uh, Brian has already used many of his workout analogies. Oh, hey, let the man much. go, please, <laughs> Ken. Keep talking about me and my physical. <laughs> well, Ken, it, it's it's difficult to imagine that anybody doesn't know who you are. But if you would be so kind to give us the elevator speech as to who Ken Goodrich is and what you're all about. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to give you my elevator speech with my current company's brand story. Let's go. 
I was a 10-year-old boy holding a flashlight for my dad while he worked on an air conditioner for a customer. His name was Duncan Goodrich. He didn't talk much. There's a certain kind of magic that happens when a son holds a flashlight for his father. I held it steady and quiet, and Dad talked to me while he worked. He said, always do the right thing. Always do what's right. He said, when the customer needs you, you go right away, not when it's convenient for you. And he said, the Gettle Iron Horse is a magnificent machine. Nothing else even comes close. That was the first night I held the flashlight for my dad, but it wouldn't be the last. At dad's funeral, I realized that every time he held me that, handed me that flashlight, he was passing the torch. And my dad believed in Gettle air conditioners. So I bought the company, Gettle, G-O-E-T-T-L. It'll keep you cool, but it's hard to spell. Now we'll respond right away and do the right thing always. No one was air conditioning like Gettle, G-O-E-T-T-L. So there you go. That's who I am. Brilliant. Is that enough color? In a nutshell. <laughs> Man, that's better than most people's average elevator speech, I have to say. It seemed a little rehearsed, it, though. It almost <laughs> sounded like it was written by someone as brilliant as Roy H. Williams, didn't it? <laughs> It sounds just like that, but hey, listen, man, I got to tell you that, that, you know, it, when I met with Roy, Gettle was in some really hard, you know, going through some hard times. They were doing 11 million in sales, losing 3 million. Today we'll do 250 million in one five states. So, you know, we've had a miraculous turnaround, but to do that, I had to create a brand story. And the story is about, okay, here's this iconic brand, Gettle, who invented the air conditioner in Phoenix, Arizona, 1939. And, you know, the brand got a little dusty and, you know, old. And then here's this guy who's been at this since he was 10 years old, whose dad was a Gettle dealer. And he decides, like, my last, my opus is I'm going to save this company. I'm going to save Gettle, the company that invented the air conditioner. And that's my mission. And so when I, when I decided that's what I was going to do, I got with Roy and we created that brand story. And I think that kind of tells you what we're all about, right? Fantastic. And, and well-written, well-rehearsed, and well-delivered, I have to add. You know, I think you've got that one uh, under routine. It's really good. Well, I said, I've said it. This is my 11,451st 11, time I've said it. <laughs> <laughs> you got steven over there tallying it for you <laughs> by the way let me tell you this so, so just to give the listeners a little background you know my dad was an air conditioning uh you had a little little mom and pop business in las vegas in the 60s 70s 80s i guess the 90s too uh um and, you know, I was enslaved at a very young age as an fl official flashlight holder. I uh, ran my first service calls at 16. As soon as I got my license, I'd, I'd been around it enough that I could troubleshoot and do the job. So at 16 years old, he gave me some calls to run. And I've just been in it. I've been absorbed in this business since I was 10 years old. I'm 60, so 50 straight years. And... You know, over the course of the time, I, you know, I knew the trade very well and you know, I tried to apply that very well. And then I got into the, uh, the pursuit of understanding business because just because you know the trade does not mean you know business. And I found that out the hard way. And so, 
you know, I, I applied myself to, to learning the business of business and the business of HVAC. And, you know, over the course of time, I've built and sold six companies, uh, you know, larger companies. Uh, um, and uh, currently now I'm the CEO of Gettle Air Conditioning, a company that I bought in 2013. And I've grown tremendously, or my team has grown tremendously. And, uh, and um, here we are today. Yeah, Ken, there's no doubt that you are a legacy name in the industry and continue to be so. And uh, you mentioned there about business school and all the things that you can learn at school, but you know as well as anybody does that business uh, is often learned in the field by the school of hard knocks. And there's so many things that a business school will teach you theoretically, but until you see it practically play out, it hasn't set in. So I wanted to start there because you've been in the game for so long that you've you've probably made more mistakes than all of us combined, uh, who you know who are still coming up in this thing, and I'm sure you've learned so much in terms of the day-to-day operations of a business, how to grow, how to build, and how to fail and get back up on your feet and start over. So, if you reflect upon you know kind of all those things in the past, you know, starting back from when you were when you were getting into the industry as your own man, what were some of the mistakes that you look back upon now and say, man? You know, if only I hadn't made those or, wow, these were the lessons I took away when that happened. Well, there's a long, long list, but I guess for the benefit of the listeners here, the, the first thing that, uh, the first thing that, that I, I think everybody needs to hear is, is that let's go back to what I said earlier. Just because you're a technician, you understand the trade of the business or you're a sales guy and you can sell does not mean you're a businessman. And the skills associated with leading and running a company are as rigorous to, to learn as the skills that you had to learn into, you know, repairing, maintaining, uh, selling, installing air conditioning equipment, right? It's just a whole nother trade that you have to learn. So to think that you're going to go out and exercise in one trade, you know, your HVAC trade and then, you know, up, and then just wing it on business. It's just not going to happen. It's, it's no different if you're a business guy and then you decided that you were going to go be a tech, but you had no idea how to put, put the gauges on. It's really the same thing. So I would say, look, you got to get some education first. Had I, had I had it to do over again, if, if uh, what's the term? If I knew now and I knew then, you know, I would have found a best practice group or even maybe a franchise, or, but, but some group that I can get the material and understand what is this thing all about? You know, what are the numbers? You know, what are the margins I need to shoot for? How do I price something? What are the metrics? How do I manage my employees? What do I pay my employees? How do I pay my employees? What do I pay for a truck? What's my overhead cost got to be? How do I maintain that to make a profit? I mean, there's just an infinite number of things that you don't know starting out in business and shame on all of us who start out without knowing that first. And so, you know, here's the typical route I see. We all start out, we get all excited. We tell our family and friends, we're going to fix air conditioners. You go out you sell a couple of jobs. You come back and say, you know, brag to your wife, look, we made $4,000 today. We're going to be rich. And then you keep going and you keep going. And then there's problems and you have slow days and then you don't, you don't have anyone to help you. And, you know, 
you just continue to slide into this deep, dark hole and you can't perform. And so, number one, go. Find one of these best practice groups. And I'm not talking one of these raw, raw, motivational speaker, you know, big baller, rich guy groups. I'm talking a group where I got a book, a workbook, or a, uh, or a uh, you know, a website that I can go on and look at and go, oh, I need to maintain my gross profit, a minimum 55% gross margin for growth, and here's why. Oh, I need to maintain my, my advertising spend between here and here, and here's how I do that. Here's how I track it. What's the tool? What is the checklist that I need to for the inventory that needs to go in my guy's vans. I mean, you don't know that until you go get the information. So, and most of us, we go out, we do that, we dig the dark hole, and then we find one of the groups and we start climbing out. So we kill five to 10 years. Five to 10 years. If you think about life expectancy, that's a big piece of your life, man. Struggling, fighting, scrapping, trying to figure it out when you just don't have to. So go find the group. The first investment you make is not a truck. The first investment you make is an investment is an investment in your education on how to run this business. How's that? So from from a typical, you know, and I'm and I'm thinking back to the uh, um, Emith HVAC contractor and Michael Gerber and and you agreeing that the uh, entrepreneurial seizure is when the the good HVAC tech or plumber or electrician just goes, I'm going to go do this myself. But in your opinion or your expert opinion, that would be going to do it yourself means staying in your truck and starting working on your education in business. Yeah. If you, let's say that you're working, you know, you know, you're working for a company. I'd go, I would go, uh, and you really set out to start your own business, I would go find out the right classes. And, you know, there's lots of groups. There's lots of groups dedicated to our industry. And, you know, pick the ones that have a curriculum, material, you know, not happy talking. You know what I mean? We're going to be winners. You know, well, okay, when these guys leave these conventions, like, okay, what do I do next? I just motivate myself in the mirror every day, right? There's nothing, you know, tangible that they take away on some of these groups. And I, I you know, you really got to be careful where you throw your money at uh, in the groups. Where can I come away with some tangible information that I can implement in my business Monday morning when I get back? That's where you need to be. Now, Ken, you, you have so much industry knowledge. I mean, you've been in it. You listed 50 years there. Have you found success in finding outside of the trades education or ideas, innovation? Have, have you implemented any of that or did you do so over the last 50 years? Yeah, well, you know, we go outside. There's all kinds of things. There's Yes. Your, your question is yes. Um, but now I would say most of the, you know, most of the stuff is pretty much in a box. Like you can find, you can find groups that, you know, you got your marketing section, you know, which is, that's the marketing is its own animal too, right? If you think about the trade piece of the business is its own animal, 
uh, and uh, business management is its own animal. Marketing is just another own animal of itself. So I think that, uh, you know, easier today just because of the web. I mean, I started when, you know, we were, we were silicone a piece of uh, galvanized sheet metal up on the wall and putting 10 a.m., 12 a.m., you know, 2 p.m., you know, on, on the top of the piece of metal and we're magnetically putting uh, a uh, carbon, carbon uh, service call pad that we hand wrote and put it up there. We know at 2 o'clock we got to go to that call, you know. I mean, technology has really thrown us a lot further, so... Um, I would suggest that you stick to a place where you think you can get the basic fundamentals in place without going outside. Because what I also see guys do is they go outside the the group and, you know, you can get lost in different directions. It's like talking to two different doctors, right? Yeah. So I'd be careful with that. So, but outside the group, you know, map, we use map management action programs in, uh, in uh, Newport Beach, California, teaches the skills of management, people management. I didn't know how to do that. I mean, I thought management was like how my dad treated me when he called me a moron and said, go down and get the right, <laughs> right, uh, the yellow handled uh, nut driver, right? Like, that's what I thought management was when I started. And I think there's probably a lot of us who kind of come from that background too. So, oh, if you're in the trade, it's you a absolutely whole, come from that background. Yeah. So, you know, you got to go out and find a map. Um, I've, I've been an avid reader. I made sure in, a, in one of my kind of discipline moves, I told myself back in the 80s that I'm going to read something on the HVAC business, you know, the HVAC trade, the HVAC business or business at least 15 minutes every single day. And I have. I've kept that up, certainly with the Internet and these Facebook groups and uh blogs and all that stuff, it's a lot easier than it used to be. But, you know, if you discipline yourself to do that kind of stuff, there's also, um, you know, all course, all kinds of different outside uh, educational places that you can go. I know that, uh, um, uh, you know, there's different consultants that can come in and help over and above the best practice groups like Traction. There's a book called Traction and they have the uh, Entrepreneurial Operations System, EOS they call it. And they can, you can hire a consultant that will help you implement that management routine inside your business. It's very, it's invaluable, very good system. Yeah, we're in our third Um, year of Traction and it's been, it's our fifth year, I'm sorry, fifth year of Traction. It's been like revolutionary for this business. We also had uh, the Global Ambassador for Traction on the show not too long ago. Oh, really? Yeah, that was a good episode. And then, yeah, and then, you know, I guess outside, you know, my my background was, I mean, I was in a really, I struggled when I first started business, and then I got a hold of this book by Michael Gerber, The E-Myth, which was written in the 80s. Number one business, number one best-selling business book of all times is The E-Myth, by the way. Anyway, I got the book, and I'm reading it, and it really spoke to me, like, how, this guy has this guy been in the bushes following me and watching me because he knows every <laughs> stupid thing I do, right? He's, he sees it. And I read the book and it just got me. And then he kind of explained some fundamentals of business. 
And I just, I didn't have any other resource. That's all I had was that little book. And so I just started page by page trying to apply it and seeing how I could make it work and, and have a little success and continue to go back and forth the book until I got the system, which by the time you came to, you came to one of my teams, Brian, I had the fundamental of the system implemented. Yeah. But more, more than that, it was like way more than that. Well, I've, I've talked about, you know, it won't be the first time any of our listeners have heard me talk about, you know, that I worked for you or, or the impact that you and your team, um, specifically Lance, who was your GM at the time, had on me and my life, not just my career. But you had, I mean, you still had a little bit of the go get my flashlight moron in you for sure. Um, as I recall, a uh, that was probably my first month running a truck for you. I'd never been to Vegas. I'd never even been to a place that got really hot. I mean, I grew up in Detroit and, and barely ever left it. But I uh, piped in some pecs in a in an attic. I believe it was a friend of yours, which made it even more fun. Um, piped in some pecs, and I just put straps every 48 inches, like, you know, code requires. And uh, you, I think you yourself went up in the attic and checked it, like, a month later or something. And... I, I didn't realize you need to put them like every 12 inches because of the heat, the pecs or Wurzbo or whatever it was had drooped in between each hanger. And you had pictures of this on your desk as you called me into your office and you're like, you didn't show me the pictures. You just said, are you a hack? And you're just staring at me all cold. I'm like, excuse me, are, are you a hack? Did I hire a hack? And I'm like, <clears throat> not, um, uh, is this a trick question? I'm like, no, I didn't, which was, it was somewhat humiliating, but on the other side of it, you're like, these are things, you know, you need to know about being in the heat. But then on the, on the flip side of that, it, it like the way you would, um, you would talk to us at the gold dinners and gold dinners were, when were uh, dinners that you would put on any time a team would hit their respective goal. So if the plumbing team hit their goal this month, or if the HVAC team hit or if both teams hit, whichever team that hit would go to in Vegas, it would have been like the Golden Steer was one, maybe Morton's of Chicago, uh, steakhouses, like legit steakhouses. And you would have these banquet rooms you know, rented out for the night and you would have these teams, their their manager come in or whatever and talk about the different steaks and, and the wine. I forget what you call those people. Come in and do that, and then you would hold court before dinner and talk about the level of service that we were about to experience, and then you would you would draw a correlation between that level of experience that we were about to see and how you wanted your clients treated by us and our service trucks. And then aside from that, anytime I saw you or Lance, you guys were just nonstop pouring what probably what I needed the most you know, growing up without a dad in a neighborhood like Detroit, which was just like, uh, there's another level for you type talk. Like, you know, not just raw, raw motivational stuff. There were blueprints and maps, but certainly just confidence building things. Um, but the gold dinner in particular, it's something I can't probably can't count the amount of team, the amount of things I've stolen from you over the years and poached to uh, build the teams I have here. But that's one of those things where anytime we experience a high level of service somewhere, you know, we'll, we'll have breakfast at the country club here in town. And that's one of the things we do, which is draw a correlation between the level of service we'll receive there and the level of service we have to, you know, 
use in the home. I don't remember what the what the uh, label you had on the side. Was it like made like cleanup? Mm-hmm. Made like cleanup. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you you uh, where did you where did you come up with the idea? Is is that just something? I mean, that's probably another one of those things they didn't teach you at Harvard Business School. I'm guessing. Uh, well, here's how it all started. And this is where you kind of got to have a little grit. You really got to have a little grit to take something from nothing to, you know, to a uh, going concern, you know, a business that cash flows and works well without your day to day, you know, without working 20 hours a day. Right. But, um, so the way I came up with it was I was literally broke. Like uh, it was every single day, didn't know if I could keep the doors open. And I realized that worst case is I need cash flow. I, I have a certain amount of collections that have to happen every single day, week, month to keep the business afloat while I built the systems and fixed it. I didn't have any resources to go get a loan no family or friends, or I didn't want to. I, I really didn't have the access to it. Couldn't get a bank loan by any means. So I, I like, I just had, we just had to gut it out. So I had this team. I said, all right, look, how am I going to get this accomplished so that I don't have to worry about it? Because, you know, when, when you're running behind the eight ball, all you think about is that. And you can't think about that. You've got to get out ahead of the business and, build the systems and put things in place and go out and recruit talent. You know, you got to build it. Can't be sweating that you can't make payroll Friday. So what I did was I created this goal. I called, we called it the goal system. We said, okay, in this month we had to bring in, you know, $158,000 for instance. Now, when I say that, you know, to think that was a big deal, 158,000 in a month, you know, today we do 25 million every month, but it's, we still operate under the same premise. So look, we set the goal. We divide up everybody's piece of the goal. Okay. So we know that you, you know, you're more of a maintenance tax and this is kind of your, your revenue generating capability. So we're, you know, your goal is going to be set for that. You're a selling tech. Obviously, you're going to have a heavier weight on put on there on you, but we also have some customer service uh, stats that we're going to check on you, things like that. I mean, you know, everybody's got their own piece. So imagine a football team; everyone's got their own their roles to play and their their metrics or how how we track their progress, right? And so we set the goal system up just to survive. And I said, okay, now. What's going to get these guys really interested in doing it? And at the time, I was a lot younger and I was, you know, single. And um, uh, we, my whole team was pretty young. So I said, hey, if we hit the goal, I'm going to take you out to Boys Night Out. And Boys Night Out is we're all going to wear suits because we're pros. We're professionals. We're the best of the best what we do. We're going to go, I'm going to get you to the finest places in town because I want you to experience what true five-star service looks like. And I want to reward you 
for everything you did, for what we did for the month. And, you know, we'd smoke cigars at first and have some wine or have some drinks. Then we'd have the whole over-the-top dinner. And, and I included the cost of that dinner in my monthly goal, cash flow uh, requirement, right? But, you know, I mean, these were these were $5,000 dinners back in the 80s and early 90s. I mean, it was, it was like extravagant stuff. And then, you know, so it was a team bonding experience. And then I would make sure that during the course of the dinner, you know, we're kind of, like you said, holding court, big kind of round table or long tables. I would make sure that I, I said something personal about every, every single person in that room. Positive. What did, what did, um, uh, Joe do? To contribute this month and I would describe something okay man you know what Joe did with Mrs. Greenfeld when uh, he brought in the garbage cans uh, and gave the gave the dog a, a dog treat she wrote this glowing letter and that's what it's all about if all of us keep Joe you keep doing what you're doing you're the ambassador for the company you keep spreading the good word so we can continue to grow have customers come to us and, uh, you know, be part of a flock. So, you know, everybody got a pat on the back, felt good. We went around the room, you know, we guy stuff, telling jokes, you know, being funny. And then, you know, back then, it, you know, times are different now, but back then, you know, we'd have a few drinks and get like guys who have a few drinks. And then, uh, you know, we'd leave, but, it was a great bonding experience. So I set that up. I'm literally broke. I'm bankrupt. I got no money. Yeah, I, I, owe, I owe the IRS. Like, you know, people are threatened to kick me out of the building every single day. And I'm having these extravagant dinners because I'm creating a cash flow system because I know the only way I'm ever going to get out of this thing is to have cash flow. And so I got to get the whole team involved. And so that, that was kind of the whole evolution of everything I've done. And then, uh, you know, we just worked and worked and continued to grow and we created a very, very dynamic team because what do I do? One, you know, I got them involved in numbers. Two, I got them used to having metrics and goals. Three, they get to win. They get the pat on the backs. They get to be part of something. They get to be part of something bigger themselves, a community. That really bond them there to that. And then four... We, you know, I created my future leaders that way. And, you know, by the way, I didn't know all this stuff would come out of it. I was trying to survive, but these are all the good things that came out of it. And from the first time I started, we called them the Golders. The first time we started the Golders, we went 38 straight months. Well, meaning we hit our goals 38 straight months. And the only reason we didn't go 39 because the wives were getting so pissed off that guys were standing there going to get a divorce because we just were winning so much. And so then I started making them, you know, less frequent, but we still had them. And, you know, I really think that the essence of the gold dinners is one of the real, you know, kind of real core secrets to our success over the years because it's just built some very tight dynamic teams. I mean, look at you. How long has it been since 
that we've worked together, but you and I are tight and, you know, we shared some great experiences that formed our current success, right? Yeah, it was, and it wasn't just the, if I can uh, speak for the wives for a second, it wasn't just the dinners that, that uh, made the wives so upset. It was the fact that, you know, if there were two days left in a month and those two days happened to be Saturday and Sunday and we were 22 grand from hitting our goal and you can count on, you know, Mike in his truck to do six, four or five guys might come in and run calls on Saturday and Sunday to make darn sure we got to go to that dinner night. Now all the wives are upset again. <laughs> See what you did there, Ken. But that was, that I was gotta that. tell you guys, there's, there's, I don't care where you're at in business. The best part of business to me has always been like that place where you're not too far away from the action. You're not too far away from the work and the customers. You're, you're, you know, you, maybe you got a line between you, you know, the owner and the, in the field, but you're still involved, right? And you build this culture and this environment where there you can see people like grow and flourish and be excited and be like empowered by the whole thing. I mean, think about it. I mean, we're having people empowered by an air conditioning company, who would ever think? But I've seen it and done it many times. And once you get to that place in your business where you have that kind of magic, you could be unstoppable. But listen, through those experiences, I don't know how many. I don't know how many guys have come through our ranks over the years, like you, that are success stories, own their own company, bought and sell companies, did this, did that. You know, it's because we 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 built it together. We learned together. Well, Ken, I have to ask you, your father, would you have considered your father a blue-collar guy? Well, I mean, I guess in the, in the fundamental term that, you know, that he did blue collar work probably, but you know, he, my dad was an interesting cat. Like he, uh, you know, he started in the trade, he started as an auto mechanic and, uh, had his own auto shop and then, you know, had some, decided he wanted to, to evolve. So he took a correspondence electronics course and became an electronics technician. Then he tested and be, and we got his, uh, PE license. So he was a professional engineer then. So he became an electronics and electrical engineer, but focused on electronics, moved to Las Vegas to work at the Nevada test site where they test nuclear weapons. So, you know, he was involved in, developing the, you know, the whole nuclear program for the country, but, and then he would moonlight fix an air conditioners. So I don't know. I mean, if you met him and talked to him, I mean, he could talk blue collar and, and he could talk sophisticated business. The reason I'm asking is because, you know, you, the gold dinners, the, the taking the guys out on the night of town, the spending more money than you had currently in the bank with the belief system that it was going to result in something that would take you farther like, where did that come from? Because, you know, humble start, humble means typically means like live within your means. You know, Ken, stop spending so much money. Ken, what are you doing here? You know, Ken, you, you can't go out and do those things. Not only like, Ken, what are you doing? You know, we don't, we're not, we're not suit people. We're not live on the town people. I'm just like, you know, was there a different side of him or did you innovate that all yourself? And if so, where did that come from? 
No, I think my dad was kind of a serial entrepreneur, and which which I learned a lot from. So, you know, for those of you without that kind of dad, go find a mentor that's like that because it's invaluable. So I really think that's where I got it. But my dad was a you know just an interesting cat. Like he he uh, was working at the test site, working on the nuclear weapons. And then he'd come home and he'd had a, had a full television shop and he was fixing people's televisions and bring them to our, his shop in the back of our house. And he'd fix their televisions. He'd, the, um, picture tubes, the CRT tubes go out and he would cut the glass, pull the, the, I don't know, some, some, some gun or something out of it. And they'd fix it, put it back in, weld the glass back together. I mean, he was that kind of guy do just about anything and always making a bucker here, a bucker two there. And then he got into buying government surplus and I'm not talking, you know, uh, tires and stuff, but I'm talking high end electronics, refrigeration and air conditioning equipment, uh, tool, big lathes and milling, uh, machine, machining equipment, things like that. And he would just pedal it and go sell it and, he had all kinds of contacts all over the world and he would sell it. So he was an interesting entrepreneurial kind of cat. And that's kind of where I picked up some of this, I guess I'll call it scrappy, scrappiness or grittiness. Was he able to, uh, and I don't know, I don't know that I've ever heard the financial situation that your dad left the family with, or was he able to capitalize monetarily the way you do or, or build things for the long term or, I know you you have a lot of passive income streams as well, but was was that something he was able to do, or was that did you bring that to the family? I think I brought that. You know, he had a he we had a, we had a nice life more more in the you know let's say after you know in my teens and early twenties we had a really nice life, not extravagant, I wouldn't call it but nice, um, but. He, he didn't acquire assets. He didn't have a lot of assets, I would say, you know, a house, this or that. But, you know, you know, when, when he passed away, I was 25 years old. And my mom, after the funeral, my mom sits down with me and gives me this letter that he wrote. And the letter said, started out with, do not give Ken anything. If he wants to buy the business, he's to buy the business. You should go to the, a lawyer, come up with a, or here, here's what the business is worth. Go to a lawyer, have him drop a contract and he can make payments. But if he misses one payment, take it back from him. Wow. Now, so I read the letter and now, I mean, I literally have been working there since I was 10. Not that that means I should own it, but. You know, you would think there would be some sort of, I don't know, family, family uh, generosity. I don't know. But anyway, he did that. And I got to tell you, I was pissed. I was not happy. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to go, I'm going to show you how to run an air conditioning business. And so I took the deal and I, um, and I, my mom went to a lawyer. We signed it all up, got UCC. Uh, filings on all the equipment. I mean, they did it up like professional and then I went to work and, you know, so one of my fuels was always to kind of 
you know, prove to my dad. That said, I wish I had the balls to do that to my son. I wish I had the guts and grit to do that to my son. I wish that, you know, it was the, it was the best thing that ever happened to me that he did that for me. Cause it gave me, it incentivized me. Like it gave me a reason. It gave me a why I'll show you it was my first why I guess. And then, you know, there was no free lunch. I mean, I had to make every single day count. Can you've mentioned Is that what you were asking? Yeah, man. You, you've mentioned the word grit uh, several times and you're not the first leader to do so, but I'm curious, how do you define grit and is that something that you believe is trained or, Ooh, can or we, inherent? Can, can we get him to tell a story about how he defines grit? Because I have, I have a few that I remember very vaguely, not a whole lot of detail, but it would be great if um, that, that defined grit to me. I mean, certainly they've they, even knowing those stories kind of shaped my career since. But, you know, I came along when you had kind of just started, yes, plumbing, heating, and air, um, or you had... I think recently bought Green Valley Plumbing and M&S Air. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And turn, those were what you turned into, yes. Is that correct? Yes. So I had the yes uniform on, and, and you were, I, I might have been just on the heels of that happening in 04, but can you tell us the, I remember a truck story about, maybe it was the Green Valley Plumbing Trucks, about you being in kind of financial trouble and had to get pretty innovative and display some real, Grit, I mean, for lack of a better word, it, it sums it up perfectly for me. All right, so look, here's how I define grit first. I was sitting on a call yesterday, a Zoom call with eight people, and they droned on for an hour. And after I was done, my wife said something like, oh, that must have been terrible or, you know, something uh, you know, just validating what I did. And I said, she goes, what did you think about all that? And I said, it's the same thing I deal with all day, every day. I listen to people tell me why I can't have things. And then I go figure out how to go get them. <laughs> That's it. So every single day, you know, you know, here's something important life lesson I've learned. Everything has a cost and the cost is usually resistance. And if you can, if you can clearly understand that and just know that everything you want in life is just around the corner from that resistance and you're just, and you make yourself capable of dealing with the resistance and marching through it and the, the, and the discipline to stay with it till you get what you want, then everything's attainable, right? And so I literally have just operated under that premise. You can tell me all the reasons why I can't, and I will figure out how I can. You're just my resistance. So the grit is the action of going ahead and doing it. So let's go back to that plumbing story. So I was in this group. I was in Airtime 500, which is the predecessor to one hour, right? And I... I was in the group and we were doing fine, but for one reason, well, let me tell you another story that's, that, and then I'll bring back the, uh, then I'll bring back the plumbing story. Okay. Cause this one's more apropos. 
We're here for it, man. All right, look. So in 2000, I bought a little company that was doing $300,000 in revenue called M&S Hair. And you came in 2004, which we had a conglomerated a bunch of small businesses to form Yes. Yes, Air Conditioning Plumbing, which was operated in Arizona and Nevada. So the true grit story around that was, you know, I bought this little company and I was going to grow a new business. I had sold a group of companies in 1997. I lived out on my non-compete. I wanted to try it again. So I started putting little businesses together and I formed this company. I eventually formed a company in Las Vegas that I built so called Yes uh, and, and in Arizona. Well, I wanted to be in Airtime 500. That was the best practice group. Remember what I told you earlier, but you got to get educated, be part of a group. Well, once I learned that, I always try to get in what I thought the best groups were to get the most knowledge, information, business systems, everything I could apply. So I wanted to be part of Airtime 500. Well, I call them up and they say, well, all the territories have been sold out to this guy. And they gave me the guy's name and I knew him. Uh, and so you have to get his permission. Well, he's my number one competitor. I know he's not going to give me my permission. I call him up. He keeps giving me the, the song and dance. Well, oh, I promised to this guy, you got to give me some time. And I call him back two weeks later. Oh, you know, he just drugged me on until the point where I said, kill the resistance. So I'm thinking, how am I going to get in this group? So I called him up, I had this brainstorm, I called him up and said, do you have, do you have any space uh, territories available in Phoenix, Arizona? They said, we sure do, we've got six spots left. I said, okay. So I said, okay. So I called my accountant who was in Phoenix. I said, you know a business broker? Yeah, give me the number. Call him up, you got an air conditioning business? Uh, I happen to have one right now. I said, I'll be there tomorrow. I fly to Phoenix, I meet the guy, I meet the company, I cut a deal right then to buy the company with no money down and payments. We sign it, I have the next day, I have the lawyer write the contract, we sign it the next day. Then that evening, I got on the airplane, I flew to Florida for the Airtime 500 introductory meeting where where you can sign up and they'll tell you all about the thing. I flew to Florida to do theirs, they usually come local, but I flew all the way to Florida, showed up and they go, well, what are you doing here? I go, I'm going to join the group. They said, we told you Las Vegas didn't have any territories. I go, here's my new business card, Phoenix, Arizona. (laughs) (laughs) And I joined and they said, okay. And so I joined the group and I got the material. Now the Vegas guys were hot. They, they, they thought that was the most nefarious thing that they've ever heard, but I just followed the rules, but I was gritty and I got it done. I, I figured a way around the resistance. And look, we, we took the systems. We realized we couldn't use them in Vegas because there was territories. And we, but, but I, it gave me the knowledge and the understanding of how to think about the business and how things flow and how the math works and whose roles are what, all that stuff. It really kind of gave me that insight. You know, by the way, let me back up and say this. I look at business like an air conditioner. I'm an air conditioning tech, and I just, it's like, you got a power source, 
turn on the thermostat, makes a switch, depending on what you're doing, red and yellow, activate, go. The machine starts where all these different systems start working the machine to produce the cold air. That's what a business is like. If you think about it in those terms, what are the things that have to happen? The functions have to happen. What are, what's the team I need to put in place and the checklist and systems I need to put in place to make that happen to be contributory to the whole to create, create the, uh, the desired results, the cold air or the cash flow, right? So where did that come from, Ken? I mean, did you get bullied as a kid or, or what was it that just persisted in you that if I want something, I will figure out a way to get it. And then where did the creativity come from? Like, I mean, not everybody seems to be naturally gifted in that problem solving technique. Uh, I'm sure I got my fair share of bullying. Didn't everybody kind of get bullied a little bit? But I'm sure I got my fair share. Nate didn't get um, it until he partnered up with me for a podcast, but he gets it now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, some of that, you know, you, you kind of, I guess I just kind of got to the point where I just made a decision. I'm not taking second best on anything ever. Again, I was tired of taking second best. I didn't like it in the sixth grade when they had McDonald's day and I put my order in early to, for them to bring in what I wanted, you know, what I chose for my McDonald's lunch. And they came in and they forgot me and I got nothing. And I vowed it that day that ain't never going to happen again to me. Sixth grade. How's that? Sixth grade. There, there it is. There is the Ken Goodrich moment of what created him. The McDonald's <laughs> meals. <laughs> I know. It's, it is, it's ironic. It's around McDonald's. Yeah, that's funny. I, I, uh, for all the meals I've had with you, never had one at McDonald's. <laughs> Did you want to let's take us out with the uh, your uh, guy Stephen Gurley? He's he's been awesome to us. He's really um, he's really helped us out, make this episode happen, and and gave us some good points and stuff. Um, and I don't want to I don't want to disrespect him by running over. But do you want to take us out with that story of the the trucks from Green Valley Plumbing? Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Okay, so remember I told you the story about how I got into Airtime 500 back in the day in the early 2000s, right? Well, I could get, they, so they had another group. So they had the, the air conditioning group was Airtime 500, and the plumbing group was PSI, Plumber Success International. And I, I thought, well, I'm not a plumber, but I can implement the systems. I know I can do that. So if I can just get a plumbing business, and implement it, you know, uh, then I can have a Las Vegas territory, right? So I'm like, how hard can it be? Like every, like every of those air conditioning guys that think they can do plumbing, how hard can it be, right? So <laughs> I start out and I, I, I'm looking around and I hear that this company, Green Valley Plumbing, had shut down, that, that it got bought. It was part of a new construction company and they didn't want the service business, so I shut it down. So I do some research on the internet, uh, make some phone calls, and I find the president of that company. And I call him. He didn't know me. He was out in like Texas or something. He answers the phone. And I introduced myself. I said, I'd like to buy those assets in that company. 
He goes, okay, what do you want to pay for it? I go, well, give me some information. Let me see where we're at, and I'll tell you what it's going to be. So long story short, I get it all together. And so he had those uh, Hackney, you know, those those uh, Azuzu cab over trucks with 11-foot Hackney boxes on them, right? Nice trucks. And they were all paid for. And then, you know, whatever the business, but it had been shut down for a couple of months. Uh, and then they had six seasoned plumbers, like like third generation plumber guys that were displaced from it. Um, and uh, I was able to get them back. So what I did was I didn't have the money to buy the business. But what I did know is those paid for trucks, I could go to Enterprise and they would probably just give me the money. They would lease them to me. They would buy them from me and lease them to me at the same time. You follow me? So they'll buy the trucks and then lease them to me. Now I have the cash to pay for the business. So all I did was I cut the deal with them and, uh, sold enterprise, the trucks at the, at closing, I sold them the trucks and I took the money that they gave me and they gave them to the guy for the business. And now I own the business with the tax and the trucks. And then lease and the I just paid lease, lease to, and I just paid lease payments on the trucks was technically the business payments. And, you know, from that, you know, we grew a nice plumbing division and, you know, over the years, you know, we have a, I don't know, $90 million plumbing business today from that. Man, it's crazy. Crazy. So, you know, you, you get the picture though. It's, you know, you have to, you got to find the way in every circumstance. You just got to find the way. I'm not saying you need to be dishonest or break the law or anything like that. You just got to find the way. So, you know, don't get down on yourself when you're in a circumstance where you just don't know the answer to start thinking, what are the 42 possibilities that can get me to where I need to be and start exercising those. Great stories. Absolutely. Great stories. And we appreciate you spending some time with us here. And as we're bringing things in for a landing, you have such experience and everything in, in, you know, so much of the trades you've bought and sold companies, you've literally become a technician through the whole way to the ranks of owning companies. You know, as you look onto the new generation that is starting to jump into the trades now or considering the trades, what, what is the advice from Ken Goodrich as to people who are considering the trades or just getting started right now? What do you have to say to them? several things selling things is not a business selling things and selling things is a piece of the business there's seven centers of management attention in the business there's leadership which is where are we headed what are we doing where are we headed and how do we do it there's management which is the people side how do i manage the people how do they know what they get paid how do they get paid how do they know what they're supposed to do how do they get trained everything about managing humans there's the money, self-explanatory, but money is a very, you know, as you continue to scale the business, 
you know, money's a, a very important piece of it and how you, how you manage it and manipulate it and, and think about it. Then there's marketing and marketing is the brand. And I'm not talking about pay-per-click or TikTok. I'm talking about the brand. What does the brand stand for? What's its colors? What's its feel like to the customers? What's the brand story? Just like I read you earlier. Then the three fundamentals, the three-legged stool of business, lead generation. I go out and I market on pay-per-click, social media, direct mail, TV, radio, whatever, and I get a lead, lead generation, lead conversion. I convert that lead to a sale. And client fulfillment, I fulfill the contract, do the work, collect our money, and move on. There's seven things that you really have to focus on. Now, where I think a lot of guys get tricked into because, you know, it's really about, it's about the cash flow. I mean, it's, it's about cash flow to keep surviving while you grow it. Everyone runs to the sales, and which is fine. It's the natural place to be. And don't get me wrong, you got to sell some stuff. But just remember, there's a whole other group of, of group of centers of attention that you need to attend to and understand they need to be, you know, built at the same time as the sales. Cause you can outsell your ability to do the work. You can outsell your ability to manage the people. You can outsell your ability for the machine to run. And so look, think about this. You know, I don't, you know, I may be dating myself even further after I told you I've been it for 50 years, but it's the karate kid. Wax on, wax off. In everything we do, when it comes to this business is you got to start with the fundamentals and you got to understand um, those first if you want to have a great business. If you want to have an enduring great business, you got to start and discipline yourself not to get selling ahead of the foundation of the business, the infrastructure of the business. Don't sell ahead of the infrastructure of the business. Get the education, do all the work to put all those things in place first. And then that machine will take off like you could never believe. By the way, let me say this. I clearly remember the day that I called my mom and said, Mom, I did $10,000 this month in July. $10,000. And I said, if I could just keep that up, I mean, I could live like a king on $10,000 a month. That was gross, by the way. And my mom said, uh, my mom said, well, that's good, but maybe you need to, you know, maybe you need to push up a little more. You got expenses, this and that. Last July, we did 25 million. So it's, you know, once I got the fundamentals of putting the machine together, I built the machine first and then I accelerated the performance. So I have a long way of answering your question, I think, but it's like, you know, think of it in terms of building a house, you know, the, you know, what happens first, the foundation goes in first or the underground plumbing, whatever you want to look at it. And these are the building blocks of the business. Do not skip on that because you will cause yourself misstarts and restarts and misstarts and restarts. Just build it build it uh, 
on a foundation of granite from day one. Sound advice, Ken, and we really do appreciate you spending time with us. If people are interested in learning more about you or about your brand, Ghetto, or just if there's anything more about your book that you did with Michael Gerber, uh, where's the best place to get connected with you or learn more about you or any of those things? Well, we, you know, you can go to our website, ghetto.com, G-O-E-T-T-L.com. Obviously, I'm on, there's a lot of YouTube stuff. Uh, we have a website, KenGoodrich.com, of which we're currently um, updating, but uh, should be up by the time our listeners hear this, but KenGoodrich.com. You can purchase the book and, and look at some of the things there. Um, and then, you know, I'm around. People can find me. Find me on social media if you got a challenge you want to run by me. And if you want to save yourself some time and headache along the way of building your brand and your business, you want to pick up the E-Myth HVAC Contractor by Michael E. Gerber and Ken Goodrich. Read by both of them. I uh, listened to it a second time, probably a third time, in preparation for this show. Now, I do remember you saying on uh, To The Point podcast that you were working on a plumbing version a couple years ago. Is that still happening? I am. I just haven't overcome the resistance of my own lack of discipline on that. Push through it, Ken. Man. Push through it. Man. We believe in you. <laughs> yeah. You can do it, buddy. Well, Ken, it has been such a pleasure. Uh, we know you're a busy guy and you have a lot of things going on. So thank you so much for stopping by and just sharing so much of your wisdom. I know it was just scratching the surface, uh, but we really enjoyed our time with you. And I know that our listeners have gotten a lot to uh, turn around in their minds. Yeah, well, and- I appreciate that. Thank you. And, and uh, you know, just... I know it sounds cliche, but don't stop believing, man. Because, you know, I started it just like most everybody who's probably listening on this podcast. I started in that service truck and figured it out. And every tool that you need is there. Every tool you need to be a success in this business is available at your fingertips right now. So just go out and get it and implement it. Well, Nate usually takes us out, but I want to, you know, Personally, for everything you've done for me from being the first person outside of, you know, mom and aunts who I felt believed in me and gave me a, a push push start in, in my early 20s, um, I just want to thank you personally. And as from our audience, I will say thank you as well because I know how much people are going to get out of this and out of the book when they read it. It was great talking to you again, Ken. Hey, man, I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm very proud of you. You've done an incredible job over the years. And I'm and I'm uh, pleased that you chose me to be on the podcast. Awesome. We're going to clip that part out and just run a Facebook story <laughs> for like a year. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, boy. Let's do this again for sure. I'm, I'm thinking a new series called Storytime with Uncle Ken. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is tight. I mean, like I got tons of them that are, that are kind of entertaining. I mean, it. One day I'll tell you about the the pig valve story, but not today. All right, we'll hold you we, to that. Yeah, we'd love to hear. It. We'd love to hear. It. Thanks so much, Ken. It's been a joy. See you later. Hey, that's a wrap for this podcast. Oh my goodness, just so much to mull over there with Ken Goodrich. He is just a wealth of information that is so specific to the trades. He's lived and breathed the trades for 50 years. He's bought and sold companies. He's made more mistakes than Brian and I have made successes combined. And he has learned from all those things and is now probably one of the, if not the wealthiest guy in the trades 
uh, perhaps who's ever been in the trades. And that is just something astounding. And we have been so privileged to have him on the show. Give this one a second listen for sure. A lot of great stories and a lot of great advice tucked away in those stories about things that he's learned, things you should be considering, uh, whether you're in a tech truck right now or whether you're behind a desk or considering getting behind a desk, whatever it is, Ken has the words of knowledge to go with that. We hope that you enjoyed this podcast. Make sure you share it around and let other people know about the good news you're hearing here. And we'd sure love if you'd let us know as well with a five-star review and some comments. We would enjoy hearing your feedback. We want to leave you now with our challenge, which is the same every week, to choose to make yourself better, to choose to have grit, to determine that there is no resistance that you're not going to overcome, and to choose to wake up every single morning and waste no day. <laughs>